have Rachel Wall. Rachel Wall, how you doing? I'm doing awesome. Awesome. We're at Voices of Dentistry. Tell us about your, tell us a little bit or a lot of bit about your past, present, and future, and how you got to where you are today. Well, uh, past, present, future. So present, we'll start there. Mm-hmm. I'm a hygienist um, over 25 years, owner of Inspired Hygiene. We are a hygiene specialty coaching company, and we help uh, dental practices, dentists really mm-hmm. inspire, empower, and re-engage their hygienists really to help elevate their service, their systems, and profits. Uh, past. Okay, so Michael, you said I can go yeah. back as far well, as, as possible. Before the um, dinosaurs. You know, I was kind of one of those post-high school students that just, you know, I really wasn't sure exactly what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to do something in healthcare, And um, just kind of hanging out at community college for a while. Hmm. And I had a mom who was pretty strong and kind of gave me a kick in the pants. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, it's time. you got to figure out what you're going to do. So I happened to have a dental hygiene appointment. And really, that's kind of how I ended up in dentistry. And I can't imagine working anywhere else. I mean, I love it. I love the people. I've had amazing mentors. Uh, and then you fast forward to probably 2000, no, 1997. And um, had been working as a hygienist. I moved uh, to Chapel Hill, North Carolina, so that I could finish my degree at UNC. Was working oh. for a fabulous um, group of female dentists. Mm-hmm. And in just a really progressive practice, I had come from an old school practice and um, started working with them, just was learning a ton. Like they would take us to every CE that, that they went to, whether it was at a lab or, um, you know, we, we actually went through fortune management way back then. And so went to Tony Robbins seminars and it was just a really amazing place to be at 27 years old. You know, very influential time when you're kind of trying to figure out the path of your life and where you're going. Yeah. And I was really fortunate to be in a practice that was just very, um, was just a great, it was a, they were great mentors to me. Mm-hmm. And that introduced me to the concept of dental coaching. Hmm. So I actually left that practice, went to work at the dental school in the perio department with some of the top, you know, dental researchers mm-hmm. uh, in the world at UNC there. And, um, and I applied to dental school three times. And I had been working at the perio department yeah. and knew some of the doctors on the admissions committee, had gotten letters of recommendation, and just never got in. Oh, and my wow. grades just weren't good mm. enough. You think that's it? And so I had this kind of turning point, which is, um, a ne- well, uh, you know, I say another story for another day, but it was just a friend of mine who was in crisis and, and saw what I was really struggling with. And it wasn't that I had always dreamed to be a dentist. I just Mm -hmm. wanted to do something else with my career. You know, I knew, like you had said earlier, Ashley, when we were chatting, is that there are a lot of different ways we can utilize our dental experience and our training outside of the operatory. Right. And and influence, still influence what happens inside the operatory, right? And still impact patients. Mm -hmm. Just maybe in a different way. And I just didn't, I didn't have enough experience yet to kind of know how to explore all that. So... I was really frustrated. Um, I didn't want to move because that would have been the next step to kind of explore other dental schools. I had just applied to UNC. Very tough school to get into at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, so this friend of mine, she's like, you know, why don't you just look at what you could do with the experience and the education that you have now and um, and just like take a break for a year and kind of figure it out. And so I did. And I reached out to a consultant that had worked with our practice in Chapel Mm -hmm. Hill and Mm kind of became her assistant and then I was hired um, by the amazing Vicki McManus 
who spoke here at Voices of Dentistry yesterday. She was one of my earliest mentors, and so she hired me and really trained me to be a coach back in 2000. And then she kind of went to do something different. I kind of went, you know, to do my own thing, and and here we are, 2018, and, you know, we're still still friends and she's still a great mentor of mine and a lot of stuff has happened in between Mm -hmm. um, including many many years of hygiene practice again with some phenomenal dentists and and um, now the honor to get to speak all over the country you know at at lots of different dental dental meetings and just to be with some amazing practices and people who want to grow yeah you know and it's hard sometimes for dental teams to have somebody come in, you know, to, to the practice and everybody's always kind of nervous. Like, what are they going to ask us to do? And is this in line with our philosophy and all of that? Mm-hmm. But, but it's just, I've just really, um, enjoyed all of the experiences really that I've had. I mean, you know, even some that were not so great. Um, you always learn a lot. So that's kind of my past way back present. story, yeah, past, yeah. present, future. I, I just, I am really excited about, you know, what I feel like Inspired Hygiene has barely scratched the surface as far as how we can serve the dental community. I think we have a lot of work to do still. And um, I plan on being on that road for a long time. Hmm. How do you work with dentists then? So dentists hire our team, our coaches, to come into their practice Mm. and really help train and develop their hygienists. And everything that touches hygiene, right? So what happens when the hygienist hands off to the administrative team? You know, and Mm. is the administrative team speaking the same language as the hygienist and the patients hearing that congruent language throughout the practice, whether it's the hygienist, you know, teeing up restorative for the doctor and making the doctor exam really easy and effective, Mm -hmm. whether it is, you know, um, continually upping our game and how we're um, identifying and treating periodontal disease, what adjuncts, how are we supporting the doctor's vision in the practice, mm-hmm. and really helping grow that while, while staying engaged and excited about our career. You know, that's the thing about sure. hygiene is it's easy to get burnt out. Yeah. And I'm sure that's true for, you know, for dentists as well. Um, and I think the key is to always be, you know, ag- acknowledging our wins and looking at what's going well, but like, okay, what can we refine mm-hmm. to keep us excited and engaged? Yeah. So Ashley, now's like, it's a really good time right now to yeah. pick, pick her brain. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I have so many questions. Okay. Rachel. Okay. So I'm ready. I just, what's your favorite startup. food? Yeah. Oh yeah. Besides <laughs> your favorite food. We'll, we'll get there. Okay. <laughs> um, I just opened a startup four months ago and I, along with so many other dentists who are in my shoes, we have so many questions about when is the right time to bring on a hygienist because we know that hygienists are high pay, highly yeah. paid yeah. individuals, yeah. but we also know that if we don't hire one, that we are... We're, we're missing out yeah. on same-day treatment. Yeah. We're missing out on getting just higher production procedures that you don't have column. to and production exactly. that you don't have to perform. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So what would be your tidbit of advice for doctors like me? Like I just, I just pulled the trigger. Yeah. I hired her. She hasn't started yet. Okay. I'm in California. Okay. So the average is $50 an yeah. hour. And I think where we're coming from is what happens if we don't have butts in the chair yeah. and now this overhead is yeah. just going out of control. Yeah. So yeah. Um, she's going to start soon, and she's going to start three days a week. And I know okay. that Judy, my my front front office admin, is is going to be in charge of 
filling her schedule, yep. but she's also still filling my schedule. Yep. So I guess what would be your advice for when, when do you know it's the right time to add a hygienist? So how much hygiene are you doing now? A lot. Yeah. So th lot. there's your answer. And I think it's just, um, and four months in, I mean, that's fantastic. That's soon. That's, that's early. I think I would think to hire a hygienist, you know, as far as the average startup goes. Uh, but a lot of the advice that comes from us coaches is, you know, hire a hygienist as soon as you can. Mm -hmm. um, but it's got to be realistic, right? It's got to be sustainable for your practice. Right. So the first thing is to look at how much hygiene you as the dentist are doing and how you could replace that time you're spending doing hygiene right. on much higher productive services. I mean, that's what we've been hearing here at Voices of Dentistry, right? Looking at your activity through the day, like that time tracker, mm -hmm. it's really easy to do that. Just look back at your schedule over the last couple months. And what percentage of that time has been hygiene procedures versus restorative procedures? How many days could you fill? So you probably did that math mm -hmm. when you looked at, okay, how many days can I hire? And I mean, obviously the ideal is if you can find a hygienist who you feel like fits your practice mm -hmm. and your vision um, and who is flexible and saying, you know, okay, can you start at two days? Mm -hmm. And, you know, my desire is to bring you full time, but right. do you, are you in a position where you can start with me full, you know, two days maybe, or three days, mm -hmm. and let's build this together. Right. So that I want you to get to full time as quickly as, as you do. So let's do this together. What can you do as the dentist to promote the hygienist? What can the hygienist do to promote you? But the first thing is, look at how much hygiene that you're doing as a dentist, and think about, how much productive you could be if that was replaced with things that only you can do. Right. No. So, yep. So true. So, so if true. it's one day, if you're doing one day of hygiene, then, you know, maybe you look for someone for one to two days, knowing you can grow into it. You know, mm -hmm. if you're already doing two days, and I'd say two to three days. And then the other thing is making sure that you, when you're looking for that person, that you're really clear of what you want to create in your practice, and you're, you're asking them the right questions. You know, what... Not just, you know, how long have you been a hygienist or where did you go to school, but what did you do that made a difference in the last practice you were in? Or if you're a new grad, what are you most excited about being in private practice and what are you, what are you willing to do? You know, what are you, what are you willing to do to keep learning and growing? Is it, are they willing to go out and take CE on their own? Or, mm -hmm. you know, ask how much CE did you take last year? So if you can find someone that's taking more than the minimum amount of CE, right. then you know you've got someone that's a learner. What are some of the, like, the worst strategies you've seen that are being implemented today? Worst strategies with regards to bringing on a hygienist or just having hygienists in their practice? Both. Both. Mm -hmm. um, I'd say the worst strategies are not giving the hygienist enough time to do what they need to do to build a relationship with the patient, educate the patient, and really present treatment. So, you know, the 30-minute hygiene appointment, unless they're working with a very high-level dental assistant, because that can work. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we're, we're, we're in an interesting environment right now. You were talking about in California, you know, what the hygienist's um, expected compensation is. It's pretty high. And... You know, you might say, well, we're, we're, our hygienists are expecting me to be paid $50 an hour. And then we're, you know, in with, we're in contract with all of these PPOs and they're reimbursing us $65 an hour for a pro fee. So how can I, how can I book an hour right. when I'm, 
I'm, I'm not even, I'm really not even breaking even because there are costs involved in running that hygiene department besides mm-hmm. the compensation, right? So, yeah. so it's easy to say, right? Give, give the hour. But I think if you can really build into that hour or even 50 minutes, if you can build into that a lot of education, like what are the services that are going to be beneficial to the patient that are going to increase that production, and how is that hygienist going to help fill your schedule, Ashley, then it starts to make more sense. Um, but, you know, on the flip side, I've seen teams, if, if they do it right, I've seen hygienists with very high-level assistance can work really well together um, in a very productive way. How should somebody be, how should a hygienist be handing off a patient? Yeah, good question. So, Ashley, I'll ask you. Um, what, what makes you, when you get a, so this is coming up for you. Your hygienist is going to start just when, in a couple weeks? Yes, yes. Okay, so now all of a sudden you're going to be in the middle of a procedure and the hygienist is going to be calling you for an exam. And you're going to need to decide, and your assistants are going to be helping you decide when is the right time for you to leave that procedure and go do the hygiene exam. So would you as a dentist be more likely to get up from your chair quickly and go do a hygiene exam if, A, you know that you're going to walk in and the hygienist is just going to kind of look at you and say, hey, you know, this is Michael. He's just joined us. We're really excited that he's a new patient. And here are his x-rays. And then you've got to figure everything else out yourself. Or B, you know, that you walk in, the hygienist's like, oh my gosh, Dr. Ashley, you're gonna be so excited to meet Michael. And mm. all of a sudden they're telling you what you have in common with Michael. Okay? So they've made what Dr. Bruce Bears calls these links. Like they've talked to the patient and found out that um, Dr. Michael really likes Italian food and this is his favorite re- restaurant. And she knows that's your favorite restaurant. All of a sudden you've got something in common. And, you know, I've got the x-rays, I've got the perio chart here, and here's what I'm concerned about. Mm-hmm. And here's what we discussed, mm-hmm. right? The picture is up on the monitor of the cracked tooth that Michael has. And Michael's like, yeah, we talked about that, and that does not look good. Now, all of a sudden, your exam's going to be super efficient. You're not going to have to start from scratch. So if you're in the middle of a procedure, are you going to be more likely to get up and go to that exam that's fully prepared and ready? than you would be where you have to start from scratch? Um, yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. And I'm actually spoiled because my last practice that I was associating in was trained by Inspired Hygiene. Yeah, oh, that's wow. nice. Small world. We had the most <laughs> robust hygiene department. Oh, and the, it was It was like a well-oiled machine. We became the yes doctor. So we go in yes. and we say, uh-huh, right. yes, I totally see what you see. Yep. And it's, that is exactly what I, I want in, in a hygienist now. So now I'm just spoiled. But that's a good thing because you know what's possible, right? Yes. You know what's possible. Yes. And, and also you are not afraid to let the hygienist lead that exam. Exactly. And that's really what should be happening. Yes. So what I would say to you know, doctors that are just getting out or about to get out of dental school and whether they're going to be starting a practice or they're going to be entering a practice where there are already hygienists there, don't be afraid, you know, to let the hygienist lead that exam. And if it's not going exactly the way that you want, then you can do some coaching. But, 
you know, let, leave the ego at the door mm-hmm. and, you know, you don't have, yes, you're going to make the final diagnosis, right. but you don't have to be the one that starts that whole process from exactly. scratch. Preheating the oven. And we just found that out. Like we did not plan this, no. right? I did not know that you no. had had that past experience. So that's yeah. actually really cool. Wow. It's so cool. Yeah. So what's, what's like one technique that dentists can implement today that you would recommend? Like the best strategy okay. technique. Okay. So the best thing I would recommend is something that we call case review, and it's just that. So, so Ashley, when, you, when your hygienist starts, just go ahead and book out, like, you know, in the beginning, maybe it's once a week. You two have lunch together and really invite the whole team. It's really important for the whole team to be in this conversation. Mm-hmm. And sit down with some cases, mm-hmm. and you bring the, the radiographs, the x-rays, bring all of that, but don't share if you can, like hold that, hold back the treatment plan. And then just say, okay, tell me what you see. What do you see are the problems here? And what, what would your treatment plan be if you had to create one? Mm-hmm. And then see how close that is to the plan that you created and say, hey, you guys did an awesome job. Like you recognize this, this, this. Here's something to think about. Like where you recommended maybe a filling here, here's why I recommended a crown. Mm-hmm. Right. And then show them the subtle things, because here's the deal. You and your assistant see the inside of those preps every day. The rest of your team never sees that. Right. So also something that Chris Bowman taught me is start taking prep photos. So when you're in the middle and you've taken out that old crusty amalgam, mm-hmm. you see what it looks like underneath there. Take a picture. Mm-hmm. Then when you clean that out, take another picture. Because we need to see what's happening under all those old restorations. Right. And what that does is... It gets your team calibrated with your treatment philosophy. So then your hygienist is going to feel way more comfortable, like teeing things up for you. And it also kind of demystifies what's happening. And it creates a super strong belief in the work that you're doing. And that is the secret to getting your team to recommend anything is that they have to believe in it with their heart. Right. If it's just based on, hey, guys. And, you know, as coaches, like we're guilty of this sometimes is if you could just do you know, six more adult fluorides a day, you'd hit your goal. Well, mm. that lasts for a little bit, but it's not sustainable. They've got to believe in why that's important for the patient. So the case review exercise, you know, maybe you start it once a week if you've never done it, and then you go to once a month. And then as your team gets super calibrated, you can, you know, go to once a quarter. But, I mean, I think it's something that really needs to stay in place. And you start simple. So start with the simple cases, and you can move through those pretty quickly and then, the, and then bring the more complex cases. And just bring them along with you in your kind of diagnostic process. I love it. Can you give us a sample script of what our hygienist should be telling the patients when they're offering fluoride ah. and it's not a covered benefit? Yeah. Okay. That's good. Yeah. So the, before they say anything... Um, they've got to be thinking and looking at the patient and figuring out why is why might this be important to them? How do I connect this service to what's important to the patient? So, you know, there are some patients that adult fluoride might not be a huge benefit for, right? They have no decay, they've got no recession, things like that. But when there's risk there, so whether it's exposed root surface, whether it's a lot of crown margins, right? They need to look and see, okay, what is the benefit going to be to the patient? And then connect with that. So it might be something like, so Michael, I see that you've invested a lot in your dental care over the years, right? You've got quite a few crowns and they are looking great. 
And, you know, we did um, the x-rays today. And the reason we do that on a regular basis is that there's some decay that we just we can't see with our eyes. So the x-rays help us catch things really early. Mm-hmm. And we also want to help you prevent that and protect this investment. So here's the deal. Uh, what we know and what we believe is that this type of fluoride, it's a varnish that I actually paint, and I can put it right in these areas that are the most vulnerable. I can put it right, on the, right near the margin of that crown because that's really the only place on that tooth where, where it can decay is right where the crown meets the tooth. So I can paint this fluoride right in there, and it's going to reduce the chances of you having another cavity around that crown that you've, you've invested in. Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead and do that today. Um, the cost of that is $25. That's something that's an, an investment for you that we really believe in. And here's the deal. You know, one fluoride treatment is going to be the fraction of the cost of having to replace that crown, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I think that's, that's something that's really in your best interest today. So we'll do that right after we finish polishing your teeth. And they can have this conversation while they're scaling, while they're polishing. And just assume the sale. Assume that the patient's going to say yes. If the patient's like, you know what, I really would rather not. I'm not a real big fan of fluoride. Then you can ask some questions, but maybe you're not going to do a hard sale at that point, right? You're going to say, well, tell me a little bit about that. Like, what makes you, you know, what makes you reluctant Mm -hmm. about that? But I think so many times it's the question of do you want fluoride or not without really, A, A, that's a yes or no question. There's no discussion there, really. If they say no, then you're kind of done. And we haven't connected with them. Like, why would it be, even be important? So I think we've got to think and we've got to look at the patient and see what, what is their risk, first of all, because then that's going to prove to me that this is important to them. So now I'm going to believe in it. Mm-hmm. And then how do I, how do I connect something with, with the value of what I'm providing to what they want, what the patient wants? Like so good. I have one more. I have, okay. I have a question that I actually have seen a lot in the different offices that I've worked in where perio is just underdiagnosed. Yes, we see it all the time. And as a younger dentist, and I know a lot of, of the doctors who are listening to this are either starting up or acquiring an existing practice yeah. where yes. there has been yes. a long history of bloody profies, yes. mm. what are the hygienists and the doctor going to tell that patient who's been coming? Like, Mrs. Jones, I know you've been coming here for 30 years, mm-hmm. and we've never talked about periotherapies. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you even begin that conversation yeah. with this long-standing patient now? So that's one of the things that we uh, do all the time with our clients. That's a scenario that we hear all the time. Mm-hmm. Whether it is the dentist that has acquired the practice and that's been going on, or it's the dentist who currently owns the practice and recognizes that, hey, we, we've got to get on this. Right. We've been, we've been kind of had our head in the sand for way too long. And, um, and the same thing works. So what we recommend is first, again... We've got to be thinking before we're having the conversation, right? Got it, got it. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at the patient's chart. So even though we may not have recommended scaling a root planning or recommend referral to a periodontist, there have likely been some conversations that have been going on over the years. So it might be, I see, I see that we, you know, in the past that Rachel's talked to you about flossing more and that your gums were bleeding. So you can go back in the notes and see, does it say, you know, uh, gums were bleeding, talk to patient about flossing, recommended flossing, lots of plaque, 
Um, we're going to check the gums next time, right? A lot of times there's some, there's some clues in the past notes. So we're not kind of bringing it up. We're, we're going back to some conversations that the yeah. patient may remember. Mm-hmm. And then saying, here's the deal is we've tried to be as conservative. I know Dr. Jones is trying to be as conservative as possible. And we, you know, we, we want to, we want to work in that way as well while being proactive and making sure that you're fully aware of what's happening with your overall health. So Rachel's been talking to you about this bleeding over the years. And the thing is that your body has not responded the way that we had hoped. And so this infection is still there. You've got this active infection in your gums and it's destroying the bone around your teeth. And, and it's time to do something different. And then that something different is whatever that, that is. Now, you've got to present the evidence, right? You've got to show them the, the... I mean, I still think that our perio chart with bleeding on there is a good tool to show the patients. Now, there's some things that we need to do before we do the perio charting that we teach. You know, we've got to prep the patient so that it's an, we're giving them an objective kind of benchmark before we do the perio exam mm-hmm. and that they know that if they hear a bunch of bleeding that that's not okay. Mm-hmm. So it's building on the conversations that have happened in the past, giving the patient an objective benchmark before we ever do the perio exam, and then saying, here's what's been happening in the past, that's not working, it's time to do something different to resolve this problem. That's a lot. Very cool. And so with our clients, we go through that step by step. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just like I was talking about with the restorative case review, you've got to do that with Perry. You've got to build a belief with, for the team in that treatment they're, rec- they're recommending before they're willing to kind of step out of that comfort zone. Mm. Oh, Thank okay. you. Rachel, where can they find you at? Yeah, so they can find us um, at inspiredhygiene.com. Um, always happy to have a conversation. You know, if folks are building their hygiene department, they want to yeah. start right out of the gate, right? Get everybody trained, or they have already got an established um, hygiene team. They want to take it to the next level. Always happy to talk about how we might be able to help. Yeah. Um, they can email me at Rachel R A C H E L at InspiredHygiene.com. Um, we've got tons of YouTube videos. We've got a YouTube video with tons of tips, things that you could use at team meetings. Mm-hmm. That we're always happy to share. Awesome. Thank yeah. you. All that Thank will be, in, so it'll be in the show notes below. Okay, super. So just send me the links and everything. Super. Like that. Yeah. Great. Thanks for having me. Anything else you want to add? I'm excited for you, Ashley. Thank you so much. I am. It's a yeah. It's an exciting time, and and honestly, <laughs> so it. it's an exciting. Time. I know. <laughs> I mean, I'm excited hungry, with a little I'm nervousness, so right? I yeah. I the one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to do a startup was I wanted to create everything from scratch. Yeah. And not have to, you know, Re- like overcome some big obstacles yeah exactly exactly so i want a very strong hygiene department so i'm i'm so inspired by our conversation today and um i hope many other people listening are going to reach out to you because Mm -hmm. it really is amazing what kind of training your organization provides because like i said that last practice that i was in it was a five and a half million dollar practice, six wow. full-time hygienists wow. running full speed ahead. Yeah. Wow. And it was so top-notch. So um, if you guys are thinking about investing in your hygiene department, definitely reach out to Rachel of Inspired Hygiene. And thank you again for thank being you. a guest on our show thank today. Thank you so much. Yeah, this was fun. All right, Rachel. It was a pleasure.